2: Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler.
0: And I'm Leslie Segretti.
2: Pick up the phone and call us right now with your home improvement question. We're here to help you get the jobs done. 888-666-3974. Coming up this hour, a small kitchen makes for a dark and dreary workspace. But there are some insider tricks of the trade That can open up your cramped kitchen. We're going to tell you what they are in just a bit.
0: And also ahead, you guys are never going to believe what happened to me. I wanted to have our chimney cleaned, and it was the classic case of the chimney sweep coming in to diagnose many more problems and then save the day. So coming up in a little bit, I'm going to share with you my experience so you don't feel so alone out there.
2: Plus, bathroom fans are a necessity for a room that sees the most moisture in your home. And if you don't like the racket your bathroom fan makes or you're worried about how much energy they use, we've got some good news for you coming up. Our friend Kevin Ayrton, the editor of Fine Home Building Magazine, is going to join us with some tips on how you can have almost silent bathroom fans that are good for you, good for the family, good for the household odor, and good for the environment all at the same time. <laughs> And
0: speaking of good news, we've got a great prize that we're giving away this hour. We've got the new RYOBI 4-volt power screwdriver. It is up for grabs, and it is totally free.
2: 888-666-3974. That RYOBI tool is worth 30 bucks. Going to go to one caller who reaches us with their home improvement question at one 888 Pit. Leslie, who's first?
0: Albert in Wisconsin's got the number one question here at the Money Pit flooring. What can we do for you, Albert?
1: I went, and I. my wife says to me, she says, If you refinish the basement, you could buy a new cycle. Okay. So (laughs) that's what I did. Okay. Uh, I went and I remodeled the basement, and this is before I listened to you saying never, ever, ever put carpet in a basement. But before I put the carpet in, I put plastic on the walls and on the floors. I put polystyrene on the outside walls. I also put radiant heat tubing, half-inch pecs, on the floor. I put three-quarter-inch plywood down with the uh, hex tubing underneath that, zigzag back and forth. All of it is over plastic. And now my big question is, now that it's all done, am I going to have a water problem?
2: Albert, I wouldn't worry too much about it. And I will say that uh, since you've taken all these steps to make your basement as dry as possible, plus you have heat under the floor, you've reduced some of the risks of having carpet in the basement. Generally, we don't recommend it though, because basements are very moist and carpet is uh, very attractive to dust mites and it's hard to get clean. Mold and, and mold allergens. And, yeah. So that's why we don't recommend it. But having said that, the fact that you've got a heated floor with carpet on top of it reduces your risk significantly. So I think you're gonna to be fine. So enjoy it, Albert.
0: Heading out west to Utah, where Jim has an insulation question. What can we do for you?
1: Um, yeah, I live in a home. It's 1952 is when it was built, and I am pretty sure that the insulation in the attic is actually asbestos.
2: Why do you say that, Jim?
1: Um, just because of the time period, that's about what they used, isn't it not?
2: No, not necessarily. What's the insulation look like?
1: Um, it's kind of a grayish, um, it looks a little bit like. I don't know, a worn-out suit almost. (laughs) Uh, It's just like the little cotton balls that come off
2: of a suit. Mm, It sounds like it it might be not asbestos. It's either rock wool or it's fiberglass. Now, some rock wool insulations do contain a little bit of asbestos, but it's hard to tell. I would not panic over this. Are you thinking about just adding more insulation to make the place a bit warmer in the winter, Jim? That's kind
1: of the plan. Um, The other plan is we were going to try to build in a floor in there so we could actually use it for storage as Mm -hmm. well.
2: Well, here's what you want to do. First of all, is the insulation settled down to like almost nothing now?
1: Um, As far as I can tell, there wasn't much to begin with.
2: (laughs) I would leave what's there alone. I would add more. I would add enough to come up to the top of the floor joists. Then you can install your floor. And then you can add another layer over that in the areas that you don't want to store in. So, sort of okay. carve out an area in the middle of the attic that you'll reserve for storage. You'll have like one layer of insulation there. Everywhere else, you'll have at least two. And in the best case scenario, you'd like to have about 19 inches of insulation fiberglass. Okay.
1: And what is the yeah fiberglass? You want it not blown in, right?
2: Well, fiberglass is just easier to work with, especially mm-hmm. if you're going to have to be up there storing stuff, I and mean, it's just okay. a, a better material. So just rolling it up myself. Yeah, okay. you can use the pre the uh, the pre-cut fiberglass bats Very easy to lay in place. Wonderful. Well, I appreciate it. You're very welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit.
0: You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Pick up the phone and give us a call. We'd love to hear what you're working on, and we'd love to give you a hand to get that job done. We are available to you 24 hours a day, seven days a week at 1 888 Money Pit.
2: 888 666 3974. Up next, we're going to talk about small kitchens. They might be cozy. But opening them up might not involve a whole lot of expense. We're going to give you some professional tricks of the trade for creating a bigger space on a budget after this.
1: Money pit.
3: Money pit. This portion of the Money Pit is brought to you by April Air, makers of professionally installed high-efficiency air cleaners. For more information, go to aprilair.com. Now, here are Tom and Leslie.
2: Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And
0: I'm Leslie Segretti. And we want you to be part of the Money Pit. So pick up the phone and give us a call. Let us know what you are working on. We will give you a hand to get that project done right and to even give you a bigger hand getting that job done. We've got a great prize that we're giving away this hour for one lucky caller who gets their question on the air. We've got a 4-volt lithium-ion power screwdriver from our friends over at Ryobi. It's a great little tool and it holds a charge. Listen to this. The battery will hold its charge for up to two years. And the power driver includes a set of driver bits. So it is a great prize. It'll help you get a lot of projects done. It's worth 30 bucks, but it could be yours for free if you're a lucky caller. So give us a call at one 888 Pit right
2: now. 888-666-3974. Now we turn to some ideas for how to open up the small kitchen space that you may be suffering with. You know, you can make it seem larger without spending a whole lot of money, without knocking down walls. Here's what you need to do. For a cramped kitchen, the first thing you, ought to, you might want to consider is adding a skylight. Now, a skylight will open the ceiling up to more light and can visually expand the space. An easy and inexpensive way to add a skylight is a product called a solar tube. A solar tube is a tubular skylight where you basically cut a hole in your roof, you cut a hole in your ceiling, and you connect the two with a mirror-lined duct, so to speak, that basically takes the light from the roof all the way down into your house. It's really innovative. It's very affordable, and it can really open up that small, cramped space. Another trick of the trade, you can remove soffits above the cabinets. If you have soffits that are sort of built down from the ceiling remove them, use that space for some display or some lighting above that. And finally, think about replacing those dark colored doors with light colored cabinets. You can open the shelves and the glass fronted doors to give depth to the room and cook up a whole new look. So there are three easy ways to improve the look and the feel of a small kitchen without spending a whole lot of money. Need some more advice on how to open up your space? Call us right now at one eight 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 MONEY moneypit Let's get back to those phones. Who's next?
0: Taking a call from New Mexico with Beth, who wants to talk about tile. What can we do for you?
3: Hi. I have a two-story house, and the first floor is totally open. You walk in the front door on tile, and the tile wraps around to the kitchen area. The living area is carpeted, and it's really in bad shape. Okay. The steps going upstairs are carpeted, and the whole upper floor is carpeted. And I'd like to take the first floor carpet out, But then it leaves me with, what do I do with these stairs?
2: Are These these are wood stairs? I believe so. Well, if they're paint-grade stairs or carpet-grade stairs, it's probably pine or fir. And if you pull the carpet up, you may be able to sand them down and and finish them and have them look halfway decent or maybe replace the full carpeted tread with just a runner that kind of goes up the middle of it. The least that you could do is paint them. And that's always a possibility. And if it's done well, it could look very, very attractive.
0: Mm -hmm. And in New Mexico, you probably have, you know, I always see such beautiful color usage in the state in my travels when I see people's homes. And you could really have an opportunity to do a beautiful color on the riser and a different color on the tread, still very earthy and homey and pretty, just to sort of give it that New
3: Mexico vibe. Oh, that's a perfect idea. That would I can see that working so well.
0: Great. And as for the first floor, I say go ahead and replace that carpet with a laminate or an engineered hardwood, whatever suits your taste. And don't worry about the transition between the tile and the new flooring because they make all sorts of different materials that bridge that transition between one type of flooring and another. So you're not going to be left with this oddity between the two.
2: And then you can use some some throw rugs to uh, give you a little bit of a carpeted feel in the in the living room if you still miss that feel.
3: All right. Well, with all the Dry air and dust, we have here, it'd be easier not to have the carpet. So I'm ready to sacrifice.
2: <laughs> All right, Beth, thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit.
0: Now we're going to talk to Olga in Wisconsin who's got something going on with the ceiling at her Money Pit. What can we do for you?
3: Uh, yes, I'm 85 years old and my house is about as rickety as I am,
4: I
2: guess. <laughs> okay, Olga.
4: Anyway, so- uh, I had fallen, was in a nursing
3: home, and The heat went out of our place, and now when I've come back, it seems all of the ceilings, the paint is just hanging like in ribbons. Right. Now, what can I do about this?
2: Well, what happens is when your heat goes out, you get a lot of moisture inside the house, and the moisture can cause the paint to separate or delaminate. Now, unfortunately, you can't put good paint over bad paint, so that old paint has to be stripped off first scraped off, stripped off so that you're down to a solid surface. The next step is to prime it, have a primer applied. That's going to help make sure that the final coat of paint, which will happen after that, will stick. And that's really the steps that have to uh, be followed. First, you need to strip off the old loose paint, then apply a primer, and then put the finish coat on top of that. Now, Olga, if this happened while you were not home your heat kicked out, it sounds to me like it's something that might be covered by homeowner's insurance. Are you insured?
3: Yes, I'm insured, yeah. Well,
2: then what I would do is I would contact an independent insurance adjuster or your homeowner's insurance company, and if this happened because the heat went out, well, that's a covered uh, that's a covered defect, and you may get them to come in and do this for you.
1: Oh, bless your heart.
0: That would
4: be
2: nice. <laughs> All right, Olga, will you get on top of them, those guys and, and uh, make sure that they get this job done, because that's why you're paying insurance.
0: Kevin in Utah, you've got the money pit. What can we do for you today?
2: Hi, um, I was wondering if, I know you guys are opposed
4: to putting um, carpet in basements. What if you have a walkout
1: basement? Is that still a bad idea?
2: Well, the fact of the matter is that the basement space is very damp and very humid. And moisture and carpet fibers as well as the dirt and dust, because carpeting is pretty much a filter material, Mm -hmm. Kevin. Even
0: the padding, too.
2: Even the padding, Mm -hmm it's just a really good place to track dust mites and uh, dirt and dust, which becomes mold food. So it's just not a good surface.
0: No matter for, how dry you
2: keep the space. Yeah, for a damp area. So that's why we really would prefer to see carpet up on a first and second floor. I mean, I've got got it on the second floor of my house. and It's very comfortable and where all the bedrooms are. But on the first floor in the basement area, we don't have carpet.
0: But you know what, Kevin, you can easily do a laminate, which is an affordable choice. You can get one that looks like a beautiful hardwood and then get some really nice area rugs to achieve the same feeling and the coziness. I know in Utah, you're probably having chilly winters and you want to keep your tootsies warm. So I think you can achieve the same thing and get the same decorative style by getting a couple of area rugs and creating little areas based upon these rugs. You can create little niches for relaxation.
2: All right. Well, thank you.
4: That answers my
2: question. Well, you're very welcome, Kevin. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit.
0: All right. Now we're going to head over to Michigan and chat with Mary. What can we do for you today?
4: Yes. Um, we recently updated our kitchen, and we put in a high definition laminate, and I put in stone backsplash. Okay. And I'd like the uh, backsplash to have a little more shine to it. Hmm. Is there anything I can put on it?
2: You could use a stone sealer for that. Do you have any kind of a finish on the stone at all right now?
4: Yes, it's all been to, um, sealed with a sealer.
2: It has been sealed, but you because yes. the because you have high def laminate, you now basically have a, a fairly rich looking uh, countertop surface. But the natural actually actually the laminate looks <laughs> better than the natural. It dulls the stone <laughs> exactly. Right. Mary, the uh, sealer that was put on the first time—did you guys put that on, or did you have somebody else do that?
3: I had it installed, so they did that.
2: Okay. Can you find out what manufacturer they used? And here's why: sealers are inv- are are available in different finishes, and for the most part, people are going to apply a semi-gloss or even sealer, a satin, or even a satin one, because they don't want to have a lot of, a lot of shine. In your situation, you want to have a lot of shine. You want a high gloss. Now, there are plenty of Good quality high gloss sealers on the market. I know DuPont makes a good one called Stone Tech. The problem is that they don't recommend that you put it over another product. So the fact that you have a sealer on there makes it difficult for you to put another manufacturer's product over it, certainly without voiding their warranty. So that's why I suggest if you go back to the original installers and find out what manufacturer's product that they used, that that manufacturer will probably have a product that's that's available in high gloss, which can go on top of the semi-gloss or the satin finish that you have on right now. Does that make sense? That makes sense. I I thank you very much,
4: and I will do that.
2: You're welcome, Mary. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT, and enjoy that new kitchen countertop.
0: Well, if you're tired of your bathroom fan making so much racket, don't worry. When we come back, we're going to talk about new technology that makes this very necessary appliance, for more reasons than you think, a lot more bearable.
3: 888 Money. The Money Pit is brought to you by Thermatrue, the nation's leading manufacturer of fiberglass entry and patio door systems. Choose the brand more building professionals prefer and add up to $24,000 to the perceived value of your home. For more information, visit thermatrue.com.
2: This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Call us now with your home improvement question. The number is 1-888-MONEYPIT. Call us now if you've got a plumbing dilemma. Uh, especially if it regards the plumbing in your bathroom. And specifically, we're going to talk now about something that is a necessity in the bathroom, at least if you live in my house. And no, it's not the toilet, (laughs) it's the bathroom fan. (laughs) It certainly is a necessity for a room that sees the most moisture in your home, not to mention the odors. Without the right ventilation, you've got a recipe for disaster. And if you don't like that uh, racket the bathroom fans make, or you're worried about how much energy they use, we've got some good news for you.
0: Man, you were always talking about what's going down in your bathroom, Tom. I'm, hey, a, little I'm concerned. A, I am a
2: toilet expert.
0: <laughs> well, then you know that today's bathroom fans, they're quieter, and they've got really cool features like timers and motion sensors so that you never forget to turn them on and turn them off. So here to tell us about these tricked-out bathroom fans is our friend Kevin Ayrton, and he is the editor of Fine Home Building Magazine. Welcome, Kevin.
2: Hi, Leslie. Hi, Tom. Hey, Kevin, we get a lot of questions about moisture in the bathroom, and we're always telling people you got to, use, to use fans. And or, most and, people and, say no. <laughs> yeah, a lot of folks don't have the fans, and I think it's a real problem in the building code because in many parts of the country, they're not actually required if you have a window. How crazy is that?
4: Yeah, it's it's totally crazy. And I mean, who's going to open that window when it's, you know, nine degrees outside?
2: Well, and even if you open
0: the window, it's not like you now have a circulation of air to actually move that moisture outside unless somebody's standing there with a fan or, you know, waving towels around.
4: Good You're point. exactly right. I mean, and the bathroom fans are not that expensive and they really are a valuable addition to the house.
2: All right. So how have they gotten more uh, high tech so that they're A, easier to install and B, easier to live with? More effective, too.
4: Well, the, the, the first and most important thing is that they're quieter than ever, um, and one of the things that I was pleased to learn is that, I mean, I installed a bathroom fan about 10 years ago, and the ones today are probably three or four times quieter, and you can, in fact, get a retrofit for a lot of older fans that will fit in the same housing. And be much quieter. That's one of the reasons why people tend not to use the fans, is they say, well, they're too noisy.
2: Well, that's uh, that's good news because that means that the install is very, very simple. Simple mm-hmm. because you really don't have to do any carpentry work. You pretty much can uh, replace the guts, so to speak.
4: Exactly. So if one of your problems is you've got an existing fan that's making a lot of noise, think about you know a replacement that fits in the same housing.
0: Now, what about some new features? I mean, a, a big complaint also we hear is that I've got the fan, it's noisy, I never turn it on, or I forget to turn it off so I don't turn it on. Has there been anything done to sort of make it you know idiot-proof, user-friendly, so that they just come on when they need to come on?
4: Absolutely. The, and the biggest problem with fans is that you're not supposed to shut them off when you leave the room. I mean, if you've taken a shower or a bath, for instance, and filled the room with moisture, that fan needs to run for 20 or 30 minutes after you leave in order to Mm -hmm. evacuate all the moisture. So they have, um, first of all, some of these fans actually have motion detectors, so when you walk in the room, they'll come on automatically, and they will run for a period of time that you determine anywhere from 30 seconds to 60 minutes after you leave. Um, the problem with that is, if you walk into the bathroom just to get a band aid, the fan's going to go on. And you <laughs> might not, you might not want that. So the other thing, I mean, we've had timers for a long time, but now they have smart switches where you can turn the fan on and flip the switch off. And the fan will actually be set to keep running, for instance, for, again, a time that you set, anywhere up to 60 minutes after it's shut off.
2: We're talking to Kevin Iredin. He's the editor of Fine Home Building Magazine about some high-tech bathroom innovations. Uh, Kevin, being the student of bathroom design that I am, Mm -hmm. I've often noticed that when you go into a a hotel bathroom, you don't have a bath fan. Uh, At least it's not obvious. But if you look up in the ceiling, there's an extra duct, which, of course, Uh, for those of us in the biz know, is connected to an inline fan. Now, this technology where you have a sort of remote located fan and then a duct that connects to the bathroom actually is seeing more use now in households uh, because you can sort of duct up multiple bathrooms with the same fan. That has got to cost less to run than a traditional bath fan, I would think.
4: Absolutely. And it's oftentimes quieter because the fan will be installed up in the attic, say, Farther from the bathroom, you can also do a system that incorporates your your kitchen ventilation as well. So, so one fan and ductwork can be connected to manages do all a, the moisture. A kitchen and several and several bathrooms.
2: Absolutely, that makes a lot of sense. Kevin Iron, an editor of Fine Home Building Magazine, thanks so much for stopping by the Money Pit. If you'd like to learn more, the article is called A Buyer's Guide to Bathroom Fans, and it is in the Kitchen and Bath edition of Fine Home Building Magazine. More info online at finehomebuilding.com. Thanks, Kevin. Thank you, guys.
0: Well, now is the perfect time of year to have your chimney cleaned. And you know what? That's exactly the thought that was running through my mind when I invited a chimney sweep in, who decided that his needs were a lot more important than mine. So stick around.
2: Pick up the telephone.
1: Fix up your home, sweet home. for calling 888-MONEY-PIT.
3: For more information, visit thermatrue.com.
2: Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show, where we make good homes better. I'm Tom Kreitler.
0: And I'm Leslie Segretti.
2: The number is 1-888-MONEYPIT. Call us right now with your home improvement question, because we're going to give you the answer and some tools to get the job done. One caller we talked to on the air this hour is going to win the 4-volt lithium-ion powered screwdriver from RYOBI. It's a great little tool that holds a charge for up to two years and includes a set of driver bits to get lots of projects done around your house. It's worth 30 bucks. Going to go out to one caller that reaches us with their question at one Money Pit.
0: Yeah, pick up the phone and give us a call, especially if you are thinking of inviting a chimney sweep into your home, like I just did recently. You know, Tom, I've been dying to tell you the story. Yeah, what happened? You and I always talk about the hazards of inviting a chimney sweep in and how they're always trying to sell you something that you really don't need, and they're just the guy to do that work. So five minutes into my house, this guy walks in. It wasn't even a tool in place in the fireplace before the man said, you know, I looked at the chimney on the roof and... um, Seems like the mortar and the bricks, everything's decaying, and somebody used latex <laughs> to repair that. You know that's not heat proof, and the whole thing looks really decrepit. So, I think you really need to rebuild that whole roof portion of your chimney. And while I'm there, you should probably use a chimney liner and this damper you got. I'm and not, to, do, worry, not yeah. to worry, not to
2: worry, Miss Segretti, because I'm <laughs> just the guy to fix this for you. I happen to have all the tools that I need right here on my truck. And uh, just sign the dotted line and we'll get right to work.
0: It was so funny. I it was, was so prepared for it, too. Yeah. And, you know, I swear, the guy walked in, I was feeding my son. So there's this woman with a baby. Right. <laughs> I really he, had, like, suckers oh,
2: Easy pickings.
0: <laughs> but I was so ready for it. And literally the cleaning of the chimney itself was $86. Right. The estimate that the gentleman left for me to call him, and if I, you know, act fast, I'll get a discount, was, you know, $2,000. <laughs> it was... <laughs> just insane. So be prepared, folks. Chances are you really don't need a lot of these things that these folks are talking about. And you never want to bring somebody in to sort of, you know, assess the situation. Who is the person who will do the repair? Because chances are they'll say that's wrong and I'm the guy to fix it.
2: Yeah. Clear conflict of interest. Well, you know, it's, it's funny. We, we can talk about this all the time, but until you experience it, you, you know, you just can't believe it's happening. And this is a very classic case of uh, what a chimney sweep typically does. Now, by yeah, all and means, they don't there are sing great...
0: songs and dance on your roof, either. Right.
2: <laughs> by all means, there are great contractors out there. There are great chimney sweeps. They're real pros. But unfortunately, uh, in our experience, sometimes they're few and far between. If any professional comes in your house and recommends that you get an expensive repair and says they're just a guy to do it to you, stop right there And get some advice from someone who doesn't have such a conflict of interest. You could get a second opinion from another Mm -hmm. contractor. You could call an independent home home inspector. inspector. Exactly. But don't necessarily take that advice the first time out the door. You will save money and probably be safer as a result. 888-666-3974. Let's get back to those phones.
0: If you're tackling a tiling project, you'd be like Paul in Texas. How can we help you with your money pit?
2: Well, we had our
4: master bath remodeled recently. Okay. And the contractor did such a lousy job on the tile that we ended up firing him. And then we had to get another contractor to come in to finish the job, and there was several gaps and those sorts of things, and they sealed everything. And we started using the shower, and some of the grout started coming out, like little gravelly, very small, sandy kind of pieces of grout would come out. Okay. So I started sealing it with dap. And I had a friend who told me, you shouldn't do that. You should tear all the grout out and start over. And I'm wondering what the best approach is to solve this problem.
2: Well, if you've got tiny little pieces that are falling out and it just happens once and it doesn't seem to be a a perennial problem, then using a bit of caulk to seal it up is probably not terrible. But if you've got uh, grout for whatever reason that was not put in correctly, then in that case, you may need to use a, a grout saw and sand out the entire joint and then regrout the whole thing uh, to get the proper adhesion. All right, we'll try that. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 money pit. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Up next, we're going to have some tips to help cut your energy costs by using a clock setback thermostat. Now, we know what these are. We know they work well. You set them to go down when you're sleeping, to come back up when you're home, to go down when you go to work. But what if you don't go to work? What if somebody's home all day? Can a clock setback thermostat work for a situation like that? That's what one of our listeners wants to know. And we're going to tackle that question and more when we dive into the Money Pit email bag next. 80-
3: Now, here are Tom and Leslie.
2: Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler.
3: And I'm Leslie Scretti.
2: Pick up the phone and call us right now at 1-888-MONEYPIT or head on over to moneypit.com. Click on Ask Tom and Leslie and shoot us an email just like Bonnie did And she says, my husband and I work opposite shifts. Is it worth it for us to keep readjusting the thermostat or does fluctuation really use more energy? Good question. You know, the answer depends definitely on the season. I think, Leslie, for Mm -hmm. the heating season, it probably makes sense for you to invest in a clock setback thermostat and use it in all of its multi-setback capabilities to raise the heat only as needed. Uh, In the heating season, it does actually take a lot of additional energy to sort of reheat your house up to a comfortable level.
0: Yeah, but if you're dealing with the summer, you know, with central air conditioning, you still save some money with the same setback procedures. so long as you don't totally turn off your air conditioning, allowing the home to heat Mm -hmm. up. You know, in that case, the system would need to run excessively just to restore the entire house to a comfortable level. And that can drive up your cooling costs more than just dropping at 10 degrees or so when you need it, when you know you need to feel cool.
2: And finally, if you happen to work from home and you're not uh, out of the house during the day, you certainly can get uh, good savings by still using a clock setback. Of course, you wouldn't be saving as much money because, frankly, you need more heat. But uh, even if you do live at home, these multiple setback thermostats today are easily programmed to have however many cycles you need. And that means keeping the heat up during the day at home. and, And that's certainly easy to do and will definitely save you some money. So we would recommend it.
0: All right, now we've got one from Jim in South Carolina who writes We have a 40 year old home with the heating unit in the attic. The unheated basement is not insulated and the floor remains cold during the winter. I want to put insulation in the basement ceiling floor joists and then a suspended ceiling. Should I use unbacked insulation and would you foresee any problem with this type of insulation project?
2: Uh, not at all. If the basement's going to re- remain unfinished, you're going to have to add additional heat then to the basement space. We would recommend electric heat for that because it's inexpensive uh, to install and you don't need to use it that often. Uh, In terms of the ceiling, we definitely would recommend unfaced fiberglass bat insulation. There's a good guide online at insulateandsave.com. There's a a document there called the Guide to Insulation. It's put together by the folks from Owens Corning, which will give you some step-by-step advice, Jim, on how to get that project done.
0: All right, hope that helps, Jim.
2: Well, they are plenty fill, pretty, and free. Leslie's got the lowdown on where to find some natural fire starters for your fireplace in today's edition of Leslie's Last Word.
0: That's right. You know, you can spend a lot of money, and believe me, those fire starting logs are a lot of money, but you really don't have to. Get them if you want, and you like that crackly color, go for it. But if you want to save some cash, and everybody is really looking to do so, go to the backyard and pick up some pine cones. They make a great natural fire starter for your fireplace or your wood stove. And if you're feeling really creative, you know, you can also dip them in wax. All you need to do is gather up all of your little nubs of old candles you've got kicking around that you're like, I don't really want to put this out because it's only two inches. Take them gather them, do a double pan boiler, never put it right on top of the of your burner because you'll just burn the wax and it'll make a mess of the pot itself. And use a pot that you're not going to use again and melt down all of your candles and then dip your pine cones in them. And once the wax hardens up again, your pine cone fire starter is going to keep the fire going and it's going to fill your home with a beautiful, pleasant scent that you've gotten from all of those candles that you melted. So it's a really great and fun, creative project that's going to help you save some money and make a nice roaring fire for you to cozy up to this Winter 888
2: 666 3974 is the number you can reach us 247 365. Also online at moneypit.com. Speaking of moneypit.com, next week we will be taking your questions via email because we will be on the road. We're hitting the consumer electronics show in Las Vegas, be broadcasting. From there, it's the world's largest consumer showcase of technology. It's an event for industry insiders, but we're going to be there to learn about all of the cool technology that's going to be available for your home in the coming year. We're talking about phone systems, home theater, the works. We'll have that to you next week when we broadcast live from CES in Las Vegas. I'm Tom Kreitler. And
0: I'm Leslie Segretti.
2: Helping you build big dreams.